Hey everyone, you're now part of the B2B Power Hour and I'm your host, Nicholas Dickett. I'm Morgan Smith. We help sales professionals power up their sales skills from first touch to revenue, one hour at a time. Join us for weekly live shows and interviews with industry experts breaking down what works and what doesn't in the remote sales era. Now, on to today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Stefan Hedevran, CMO and co-founder at Dream Data. And Stefan, I have not only followed your content on LinkedIn for a long time, I've also, I think, followed most of your team, (laughs) both sales and marketing out on LinkedIn for quite a while. And I've always been impressed, not just by like everybody has their own personality and that's great from a social selling perspective, but there's such alignment. It's so clear there's such alignment between you as a co-founder or CMO, your sales team, all of the materials you're putting out. So I knew we had to get you on the show to talk about this, to discuss more about what Dream Data is up to. So thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Morgan. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy that it, it looks uh, coordinated. Uh, it's actually not something we run super strict, but I guess maybe we're just aligned about what we talk about uh, and, you know, what the company does and what how the culture is, etc. But very deliberately, we don't kind of like stuff stuff p- things down people's throat because that I think that's when it becomes not authentic and not authentic is not fun to do and you know that sends you into a wrong spiral so people have freedom to express themselves how, how how they'd like that's great where I thought maybe we could start was a sense of how you're you're measuring success so one of the things we hear from sellers all the time of course is marketing is generating a bunch of leads that we can't sell to. And I think some of that created this conversation that MQLs are not useful. And I know from your materials and how public dream data is about your platform that you still use MQLs. So I just wanted to start with a little sense around how does dream data think through success as an entire go-to-market and then also and each of your individual teams between marketing and sales? Uh, so I was just thinking out that uh, just thinking as you were, you were asking Morgan and actually one, one of the things that comes to mind is that I can describe how our sales funnel looks like uh, as a start. And um, we, we have four stages, which is uh, MQL, marketing qualified lead, sales acceptable leads, uh, which means that MQLs is of a certain fit towards who we're trying to sell to. And then there is our sales pipeline and then there's you no know, one. And actually the, the reason why I think MQL is valid is because I know the conversion rates of all the other stages and I know how long it takes an MQL to become what it is later on. So if you know these things you know, by heart, then you also have like a certain feeling that you're not stuffing low quality stuff in because you know that typically somewhere just below 50% of the MQLs are actually acceptable. And if they're acceptable, our salespeople need or normally can take 20% of those into our sales pipeline. And then in the sales pipeline, we normally win one out of three or something like that. But it's because we know these numbers so tight that we can appreciate the MQL because it is a prediction for what's going to happen. 
it's when I think when teams dilute uh, the value of each stage and put in low quality stuff, then that's when it starts to become useless. As we talk about these things, you know, an MQL is traditionally a marketing qualified lead. But for us, as you say, for example, we're spending a lot of time generating demand from LinkedIn. And that's done from our salespeople as well. So it's maybe a little bit selfish to call it a, <laughs> just a marketing qualified lead because it is, you know, we're looking at that first number as a certain volume we need to make sure that the salespeople are busy. And, you know, some of it is traditional marketing sources like paid and organic and referrals and review websites. But a lot of it comes from just the sales team also being super active on LinkedIn. And they're also, it's it's marketing that they're doing, but they're salespeople. <laughs> but yeah, they, that, so did I answer your question? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I What I'm interested is like, does that discipline come from the top sort of, and the discipline around MQLs and like mapping out how your pipeline works. Cause one, one thing we hear a lot is like sellers feel like they're straight jacketed in many ways, not just in the pipeline process they use, but in the lead quality they're getting from marketing. And what it sounds like in your case is that there's a real discipline from you as a co-founder and the CMO, like we're going to look at all stages of the pipeline, not just what marketing is responsible for. Yeah, I think one is that our product helps bring up the transparency of this. But, you know, as our company started out where we were just three co-founders, I was doing all the demo calls and uh, trying to sell, etc. <laughs> and you get a lot of respect for the salespeople by doing 100 demo calls because if they were, would all have been of a low quality, you've just been wasting your time. And, you know, I, I typically talk about that there's no, never going to be any return on ad spend if the leads that come in is low quality and the salespeople don't want to work on them. So you need the salespeople actually to be motivated to pick up the leads we, we bring in. And they're only motivated if they fit who they, they think they can sell to. Sort of to break down some of the, the ways that you're coordinating between sales and marketing. I know you had a big famous blog post about this. Do you think some of the coordination is helped by the fact like you're a smaller team or are there lessons in your experience that could translate to larger organizations? Because I know it's not like you, it's not like Dream Data has thousands of employees <laughs> at this current point in time. What makes this work for you as a CMO? What makes this alignment really work? Disadvantages when you're small, and we actually, most of us come to the office at least a couple of times per week. When you're in the same room, it's very easy to sense is it low quality stuff or is it high quality stuff. So if we move outside the, you can say the physical uh, environment, then you can establish shared KPIs, which could be, for example, sales qualified leads, like sales opportunities. I think, you know, it's popular to say that marketing should be measured on revenue and to a far degree they should but in reality you cannot guard yourself from the AAE having a hangover and the day that they have a demo call with an icp or something like that and then they just completely fuck off that demo call so i think like like sales opportunities is probably a more fair measurement for whether marketing is producing quality stuff and i think this is a, a metric that you can have in all organizations depending on whether like you're big or small or distributed or like sharing an office Another thing I think we've done extremely well is to have a very clear um, ideal customer profile that everybody agrees upon from product to sales, to 
to marketing. And I think particularly when you're in a subscription business like ours, you need to be aligned with the product as well, because one of the things we did early days where I, I just tried to sell to anybody I could find, <laughs> and then you find out, oh, these guys are actually not going to be happy about our product or like they don't get it or something like that. And then they churn. And, you know, it's not nice to show churn to future investors. <laughs> and it also means that your, your product people are going to spend time fixing a problem that actually might not be your main problem. So by having a really clear expression about who's our ideal customer profile, that like if it's done well, then marketing adjusts their tactics. Sale only works on the ideal customer profiles unless there is somebody outside that begging to pay. <laughs> And then the product only develops features, integrations, et cetera, that's meant for that ideal customer profile. So that's another thing you can do, no matter the size of company or industry is like to be, there's two ways of, first of all, I think you should start by making, and that, that's what we found out at least, make an antithesis of what is an ideal customer profile. It's not this, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, because you want something that is easy to, Okay, if this leads come in, you look at it. Okay, it's not this one. And then you also want to make a super narrow one so you know exactly when it really looks correct as well. <laughs> and I think those two things all companies can kind of uh, can kind of do. Are your sales teams essentially trained as a part of their onboarding to know their ICP and then basically like map it? Because it's interesting how it's kind of happens sometimes and sometimes it's in enablements arms to sort of supply ICP info but what it sounds like at dream data is there's this narrow definition there's this antithesis or antithesis of your ICP that people are trained on and your sales team is really knowledgeable about matching those profiles to whatever is coming through marketing's door yeah and if you think you know as you said before it is easier when you're smaller to like keep sustaining this but I think we'll keep being razor focused on this uh, and it's something we talk about all the time when a demo call comes in we everybody checks is it the right size right type of business any MQL we, we right now we still manually look at it even though there's a fair amount of velocity to it but we just don't want our salespeople to spend time on something that is not a good fit that's so interesting to me <laughs> if you have a decent demand then salespeople could work like back-to-back -back meetings. But what we found out is that even the total amount of deals coming out of a completely full sales calendar is not going to be good because they don't have enough time to actually prep <laughs> between meetings. And if you have too much demand, then you need to be like strict about who do we spend time on and where can we actually see that here's a good case versus here's here's a bad case. That's interesting. So you found that your sales team is not, well, it's not that they're less effective, but that they need additional time to work with each of the deals outside of just the discovery or demo calls that they're doing. Yeah, you can waste a lot of potential if people are too busy. So I think it's also about, and this is where like, you need to kind of look at the calendars of these salespeople and you need to say, are they actually too busy right now? If they are, let's tighten our like IC like or like who gets assigned what and should we be even more strict about it right now because they're too busy? Does Dream Data do any outbound work? It depends on what you define as outbound. So we, you know, we're the big on social selling on LinkedIn. And what we've defined there is again, we use the ideal customer profile and 
you can use 100 connects per week on, on LinkedIn, and you should use those 100 connects on your ideal customer profile. Now, then we, we don't do like cold, ice cold outbound uh, phone calls or stuff like that. But we do disconnect and then we do publish quality content in front of these people. And the salespeople will occasionally then DM these guys after having interacted a couple of times asking, should we, should we talk or stuff like that? So, you know, it is kind of, I don't know if you call it old bound or whatever it is. Um, I don't really have too many definitions for that. Any, I think everybody's trying to figure that out. So let's talk a little bit about this coordination on the content side, because this has always interested me. And this is something not a lot of companies have mastered all that well. And I think Dream Data does it pretty darn well, is that you have a lot of sellers creating content natively and it's not just resharing marketing's posts which is sort of the the common thing so how does that work out from the marketing side like are, are you training your sellers to write content better what does that look like internally for dream data to support your sales professionals in creating content on social it's good like so when i think about it right now it's not it's not extremely structured but maybe you know maybe it is uh, i think we've always uh, so like, first of all, there's like, there's a content engine behind, which is, you know, our content team that every week publishes one or two blog posts. So all the time there's new materials coming out that we are then pushing on newsletter and our blog and our social media. So if they don't know what to post the salespeople, then at least they can go in there and, and steal with arms and, um, arms and legs. And then we've been very, we've had a broad uh, definition of what you post about. It, we're basically not controlling it, but I typically talk about like, imagine a very broad umbrella about what we do. If you try to fit it in under this one, if it's too far away, it gets less uh, effect. I think we've seen that sometimes if you like go down a narrative that is basically not joined with your uh, business, then the engagement you generate is not valuable enough. So you need to kind of have some, like here's the bullseye and you can go a little bit outside the bullseye, but you need to, like not, not go too far away from it. And then uh, we've we've set up a Slack channel where every time you post, uh, you put it in there and people go in, they like, comment, uh, subscribe, I was about to say as well. And we, we steal, with, uh, steal with arms and legs from each other. So to make it work, you need to make it fun and you need to make it a team discipline. And it's better to do and then say sorry afterwards and like make it something that is fun to do. So it's like their own creation rather than it must be terrible to being forced to post uh, <laughs> something. I, I couldn't imagine that working. Do you have fears about quality control? And what you had just said was that it's better to sort of mess up and say sorry later. So for, as sort of the CMO, you're not Yes, you have these boundaries, this umbrella, this broad base, so sort of topics they can talk about. Do you ever worry that they'll go off base? and Or is it sort of like, ah, let's see what happens? I'm just curious. <laughs> I think it's, uh, some, it's probably something that every, it's a phase that everybody who does this go through, where like initially, oh, I would have written that a little bit different. Or are you saying something that's not completely true or stuff like that? And you just need to get over it. And like, it's, it's like, if there's something that's clearly wrong or completely off, then you correct it. But like most of the times, I don't think you should be slamming people on their head for like being a little bit inaccurate. I think one, if, you know, as an employer, it's also kind of because your, your team starts doing this, they also get 
a lot more awareness about who they are and it increases the amount of inbound job posts uh, <laughs> that, that they get sent. <laughs> but then the game is to keep the players happy, make sure that like the team loves their work and they enjoy where they are. But you know, they're bound to get more offers because they get a much bigger profile. But that's the game. So what interested me at Dream Data too is that it's not just a flow from marketing to sales in terms of you publish content and then the sales team can take it. But there's also a flow from sales to marketing where at least one of your content writers is listening into sales calls and then creating content off of that. Right. So tell me a little bit about how that started. I'm really interested. When we raised some money and started to have a content team, what, given the nature of the business or the industry that we're in at Dream Data, is that we're competing up against stuff, uh, against other people who get marketing. So like a typical SEO play in an, in an industry where people doesn't get SEO marketing, etc., you can start writing content just for the search engines. But I knew that it's going to take years for us to rank because the others are going to be super savvy. So the first long period, we just let the salespeople uh, dictate what we write about. And the reasoning for that is that a product like ours has some, it's actually fairly technical. It's also, you know, they speak with marketers that are super smart and savvy in what they do. And then on top of this, they also need their sales game. And it's kind of, it's unfair that you want them to like understand all these things at once. So by making sure that we, we listen to the questions that the customers ask and like listen to what our salespeople report, which content are you missing? Then we just make sure that we have really elaborate answers on our website about these things. So the salesperson, only knows needs to know kind of the headlines of the of these blog posts and then can refer people on to like really elaborate and well-written answers to to questions and i think if you also want to scale an organization and you want to add a lot of salespeople, it gets even harder and harder to pick out these you know unicorn salespeople that know all these things at once so my vision is that our website really becomes a place that we can get uh, complete answers to anything you can think about related to dream data. So when you do answer in enter into a sales conversation, we've almost preempted any question you might have. And then the sales talk is going to be more about do you want to buy? Do you not want to buy? That's interesting because Nick has always asked or two of Nick's favorite questions when we're running more complex like enterprise plays are who needs to know about us and what do they need to know before they buy? And that second question is so fascinating to me to hear you articulate, like marketing isn't just providing traditional air cover, right? It's not just here's some additional spice about dream data. It's we're supporting the exact questions that sales is getting. So not only can sales refer to these things, but your buyers also can reference those materials before they ever reach a salesperson. And that's extremely interesting. <laughs> I think about it as we're trying to make a deal happen. We're trying to win a customer. And then like you want to build from the like where the contract gets signed and then you move upwards. So that's you know, like we can see that our integrations page is highly important when we sell. So that needs to be up to date. Our about page, because we're a fairly new company, is also important. I guess that's because people do due diligence when they make a decision. They go in there. Our security page is super important because there's data teams out there that wants to 
all the stakeholders involved in buying this product, we need really good content to address all that the, the concerns that they might have. And instead of gaining all of this information behind a conversation with a salesperson, we just want to make it available. So like, you know, ideally they can just float straight through because we have provided all these buckets of, of content that they need. I don't know if you have experience with this, so I don't want to put words into your mouth or other marketers, but it seems that other marketers sometimes just fashion those topics out of thin air. Sort of they imagine people or buyers want to learn about this. And there's a discipline in for you and your marketing team in which it's actually just directly about the sales conversations. I'm sure you step out of those boundaries, though. Like, I'm sure there's other content that hasn't directly emerged from sales. Or am I? Is that true? Or am I? Am I off? No, no, for sure. Uh, and I think actually I, I've been that kind of marketer you described before. But I think <laughs> <laughs> me too. Don't worry. Yeah, going for a hundred demo calls makes you think differently uh, <laughs> about it. But there is, uh, you know, the stuff sometimes you write. For example, we wrote this post about sales and marketing alignment. Is that for sales? No, it's not. Is it for marketing? We just wrote it because it's a good learning and people who follow us can generate learning from it. And then we also do the occasional, uh, you know, put a lottery ticket in the SEO <laughs> jar. Like, oh, this keyword is interesting. Let's try and write it. But it's so hard to, you know, in our industry because the competition gets SEO. So it's not like a, a game we want to bet all our eggs on, but we do write the occasional uh, post. So to sort of jump into, I know Dream Data helps map the customer journey and attribute different sources of revenue. I'm sure you have access to at least some insights across different customers. Are there common, I don't know if there's mistakes is the right question, but I don't know if you have any insight about across different companies, mistakes you see when MQLs are really high and then SQLs are really low or some sort of like indications of misalignment. Do you see that? And do you know why that's happening at different companies that maybe people could identify in their own organization? Yeah. So I think we can go in two directions here. So first of all, I think if if you measure marketing on siloed metrics that only matters for for marketing and you know, don't think about it as a one revenue stream, that's when you get into those cases where let's just beef up the amount of emails we generate <laughs> and then what's come out of this emails the marketing actually really don't care about and i think that's when it goes wrong and that's you know bad leadership if 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 the organization works like that i can give like a simple example of so we have like a content analytics tool and to generate mqls we have our um there's the, the, the difference between what uh, what starts journeys and what actually matters when people buy and an example is that we have our uh, we have a bug bounty program where you know developers hackers etc can try to make some money by finding mistakes if we stop the journey at mql which means a sign up to the product or a demo call that page looks amazingly great but that's because these bug bounties search the internet for fi finding organizations that they can try to do bug bounty for but as soon as you flip the stage to like sales qualified leads instead, that one page completely drops out of, you know, the, the table because none of these people are looking to buy the product. 
So I think in any kind of activity, you need to think like through the funnel, you need to think about, are we putting the right intent into the funnel? Whether that's when you're starting the journey or moving them to a webinar that becomes a demo call or a meeting or et cetera. You just have to be ruthlessly focused on, is it quality stuff we're doing here uh, or could we be wasting uh, people's time? You know, that's really interesting. I'm not sure I put those pieces together ever in the way you just did, which is that, yeah, your signup page may look good and other, I mean, not to talk up Dream Data too much here, but I'm familiar with the product, which is that, sure, you could have a customer journey on the front end that shows they visited page one, page two, page three, and then they visited the signup page and you're like, oh, yay, woo, right? But then when you map to pipeline, you see that those page one, two, three actually don't matter all that much. It's another blog post you put out a year and a half ago that a lot of people who buy find. And that's really interesting from a to me, from a marketing perspective about like mirroring content and developing new content that matches what is actually mapped to pipeline instead of just what's mapped to your MQL success. Yeah, I think that was what I was thinking about before was also like in, term, in, like in the content case, those content pieces that draws people to the website, whether, whether it's organic or paid. But that, that's not the same thing as the URLs that you look at as you're buying a product. The about page is not something you search for, but it's something you look at when you're making a buying decision. And I think that's when you spend all your content hours on just pulling in random traffic from Google, because that's the number you're trying to push up. But then you're not really optimizing for revenue because revenue is what you look at when when you buy. Interesting, because this speaks, I think, to your deeper alignment with sales as well, where it's not just marketing's trying to optimize for marketing's metric, but to everything you've said before, it's if you had to hop on 100 demo calls, are you confident that it would be a useful time or useful time spent? And I like how that narrow that discipline is at Dream Data. It's impressive to me, actually. Yeah, but uh, I think also like even me, I can go on demo calls and I'll have questions I can't answer. And that just, I think, and I, I know the product quite well and I know marketing pretty well, but there's still stuff I get asked that I don't know. So think about being in sales, you've never been in these disciplines. So we as marketers need to take that one-on-one -on -one interaction and do like one too many uh, answers to it. So we'll make the life a lot easier for, <laughs> for the salespeople. So in terms of like other lessons, I know you were part of the co-founding team and you were the one running demo calls. What other sorts of lessons at Dream Data have you seen that you wish other companies would do or would learn from in aligning their sales and marketing functions? For example, we are the marketing team. We always have that's typically mean that have a member that takes part of the weekly pipeline meetings that the salespeople have. Then you sit and listen there. <laughs> what are the questions that they get in? Where are the different deals at? And if you like, if you've had your coffee at least, then you notice that when you hear something, oh, this is actually something that we can address <laughs> with marketing and take the pain away here. Or if the salespeople are complaining, there's actually not enough demand right now, then we go back and we get our shit together and try to like make stuff happen. So I think the best advice is that both sales marketing starts regarded as one customer journey and not kind of completely disconnect. So if salespeople are not satisfied with the demand, they need to walk in or like at least virtually walk into the marketing room and tell them these are poor quality leads. The good quality leads, they look like this. I'm no expert, but 
how would you can can't you do anything to attract these things? Or I get continuously get these questions. Can you help me address these questions? But then from the other side, also the marketers need to walk into the sales room and say, who should we be trying to attract? Is there any things you're consistently hearing that we can help fix? So I think it is. If you go up like in whatever we call it, the helicopter or something like that, as a company, you can only spend your dollar once and you need to understand where is the biggest pain right now and what can we relieve. <laughs> and if, if there's too much demand, maybe it's another salesperson you need to hire. If there's too little demand, it's maybe a, a, a marketer. But all of it comes from this. People call it like think like a CEO or think like a founder or something like that. You need to kind of think holistic, full funnel about your your work. Amazing. Uh, I think every company could learn from those things, Stefan, and from this whole conversation too. So we like to ask a, a last question around here called our power hour question. So when you think about sales and marketing alignment, if I said, Stefan, you have an hour at Dream Data or at another company you get brought into, and to make the most of that hour, how would you spend that hour aligning sales and marketing? I think I would uh, pick up that uh, if it's not uh, like doing just a heavy hour of, uh, of beers and drink, drinks, if that's out <laughs> of the picture, then I would do a... Uh, I would do uh, an, uh, like just the ideal customer profile discussion. And I would even have some product people there as well. Uh, so we just, who is, you know, your all go-to-market is about this type of ideal customer profile. You need to attract them. We need to work on them. Uh, product people needs to build product for them. If you have like misalignments, even if it's just from, between product and sales, or if marketing is promising too much that the product cannot live up to, etc., you're not spending your resources uh, effectively. So you want everybody aligned towards the, the like a, a shared goal, which is some sort of ideal customer profile to me. I would think that would be an hour well spent. And something which you know, surprisingly, doesn't happen all that time. I know another friend of the show, Kyle Williams, always talks about sales having a, a shadow ICP. They have their own idea of who the best customers are, and then it's not aligned with marketing. So I imagine that power hour would be well spent across the, the organization. Stefan, thanks for coming on this episode. It's been a great discussion. I so appreciate your insights and everything that you've shared. Where can people find you? That would be uh, the LinkedIn. And uh, people are just super welcome to, to write any questions that they might have. And I'll reply there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you. Thank you for the invite, Morgan. I, I enjoyed it. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.